everyone, welcome to our Sunday night. And uh, wow, what exi exciting days we are living in. And uh, listen, the, the uh, title of tonight, as you can see already, is Almost Everyone is, let me go back to it, Almost Everyone, oh, I lost it. Almost Everyone is Asleep, But Jesus is Coming. Um, look, we're in the book of Jonah, and it's remarkable. As I look at Jonah and I think to myself, okay, Jonah was supposed to go to Nineveh. He didn't want to go to Nineveh. Um, he had issues with the people of Nineveh, as we understand, as we're going to look at in just a second. Yet judgment was going to come upon the land. And nevertheless, you get to this place where repentance, if they would repent, God would not bring the judgment. So we're going to look at some things because, listen, where we are looking right now in the world, I believe that it is time to repent, but people aren't listening. The people at the top aren't listening. John from New York, one of uh, the gentlemen who contributes to Hope for Our Times through his writings, really appreciate him. He wrote this, Babylon has fallen, fallen. The United States will soon be unable to supply Ukraine as it has up to now with sophisticated equipment essential for its defense against Russia as its reserves are reaching their limits, especially in terms of ammunition. But U.S. stockpiles of certain equipment are reaching the minimum levels necessary for war and training plans and getting weapons stockpiles back to pre-invasion levels could take years. Mark Hansen uh, wrote in a recent analysis of the Center for Strategic and International Studies, uh, Washington is learning lessons, get that, uh, from the conflict about ammunition needs in a very powerful war, and that it is much larger than expected, said a U.S. military official who requested anonymity. Then he uh, brings in an article, the article titled, Army Prepares for Dispersed Warfare with High Casualties. And then it continues. How's this going to tie into Jonah? I'll show you in a minute. Any force that has to fight in 2030 or beyond, uh, we need to be prepared for a very active campaign against the homeland. A uh, campaign against the homeland, uh, says John, is an invasion. Very interesting. When you start looking at the words that are thrown out there right now. Meanwhile, America's allies, the Saudis, Taiwan, etc., are jumping ship as they see the handwriting on the wall. America's leaders are corrupt and incompetent, and Biden's dementia is clear and accelerating. Meanwhile, the same government lies to the people about inflation and unemployment. Listen, folks, this is happening all over the world. Wherever you are watching this right now, I don't care if you're in Australia, New Zealand, Canada, uh, anywhere over in Europe, uh, we are watching this. If you're over in the Mideast, if you're in Africa, we are watching uh, this, and this is incredible. We have things that are taking place right now on a global uh, scale, and it's never been like this before. We're watching, and people wonder, well, how? what makes you think that the coming of Christ is near? It's because everything is converging at the same time. It continues about inflation. Real inflation is 16.5%. Unemployment is 24.4%, according to USAWatchdog.com. Uh, uh, great Depression levels 
because the government's Green New Deal and woke agenda. Listen, this stuff is just absolute madness, isn't it? Meanwhile, the same government officials lie to the American people, telling them they are protected by the nuclear triad that ensures that in the event of a surprise nuclear attack, America's enemies would be assured of complete destruction by land-based missiles, nuclear bombers, and missiles on Trident subs. The Minuteman missiles in the ground for over 50 years were supposed to be replaced by the Peacekeeper missiles in the 80s and road mobile missiles in the 90s because the Minutemans were obsolete and could be taken out by Russia's new missiles. That's way back then. Just a month ago, the admiral in charge of the strategic forces stated that he hoped, get this, he hoped most would launch and some would reach their target. This is insane. When you look at this, it's just insane. Even if we put 20 or 30 um, on, the, on the runway ready, Russia's hypersonic missiles could take them out before we even knew they were coming. This is, folks, this is incredible. And that leaves the subs. And we think of the Russian sub that's out there somewhere, uh, somewhere in the oceans of the world right now. We don't even know where it is. That leaves the subs, which are vulnerable and limited, using nuclear-armed heat-seeking torpedoes. Russia can have high confidence in taking them out in a surprise attack, and Russia's nuclear drone torpedoes, SC, now location unknown, as I mentioned, were designed to create radioactive tsunamis. On top of all this are the ghost ships, so-called, because they appear momentarily from under huge container ships right off the U.S. coast and just sit with engines off waiting for the order to fire. Okay, think about that. You know, I don't live too far from Long Beach, California, probably about two hours or so, hour and a half. And, uh, and wherever you are in the world, you've seen the container ships there in Los, Los Angeles and Long Beach uh, from months ago. Remember that? All of them sitting out there. Uh, we've seen them coming out of China, various ports of the world. You see them. Imagine that. That's what the, these ghost ships are. Actually could be weapons, whether it be by China or Russia or whatever. This is what is in the thoughts of the people who are actually paying attention to what's going on out there, and then we have Biden leading this thing. It's just insanity. And we're more worried about being woke, uh, more worried about these just insane policies that we have here in the Western world. Listen, we are blinded by Satan, blinded by the devil. And almost everyone is asleep, but no one knows that Jesus is coming unless you are paying attention uh, to what the Bible has to say. Uh, then he continues, just as Tulsi Gabbard said in her announcement that she is leaving the Democrat Party, I can no longer remain in today's Democratic Party that is now under the complete control of an elitist cabal of warmongers driven by cowardly wokeness who divide us by racializing every issue and stoke anti-white racism. She can see the truth. The elites are per pushing America into a nuclear war with Russia, and we cannot win. Listen, like Nineveh, uh, we need to repent, folks. This is our, only, our only, only possibility of saving this country, saving the, the, the Western world, is repentance. Um, do I think it's going to happen? I don't. I, I do not. I look at the Bible, and I'm thinking everything is happening uh, just like the Bible says it would. However, 
God will stall, I believe, if there was repentance. Well, let's get a look at, at Jonah, because I want you to think through this, and we're going to connect the dots, because I have a lot more to share with you as we get further into this, and then on to the end, and then I want to take some of your questions, too. All right, so think of this. When it comes to Bible prophecy and the prophetic word, the warnings from John over in New York, and, and what we even see about with, with Jonah, why he didn't want to go to Nineveh, what the problem was, but it's the response of Nineveh. They did what was necessary to keep the judgment from God coming. Will that happen in the Western world? <sighs> Praise God if it does. But I want you to think of this, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 19, Peter wrote, so we have the prophetic word confirmed, right? Which you do to, uh, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in dark places until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Listen, we have the prophetic word which is confirmed. Uh, listen, God's prophetic word. It is a light that shines in the darkness. We have a very dark world. We have dark stuff going on. Folks, we have his word. It guides us. It keeps us. It strengthens us. And it lights our path, as the psalmist said in Psalm 119. And here the prophetic word, a light that shines in the dark place. All right. Uh, before we get going, because I'm going to show you a lot more over the next few minutes, uh, please understand, if you know Christ, do not lose hope. Uh, don't be moved to the left or to the right. You must keep your eyes fixed on Jesus Christ, the author and finisher of your hope. These things that John from New York wrote and many other things I get, and some things I'm going to share with you in a couple more minutes that you really need to hear. Listen, um, if you don't put them into the right context, it's going to mess you up. But at the same time, in the right context, we have hope and also we got to understand, if we are not raptured soon, things are looking a little rough in the near future, okay? I'm going to show you these things in a minute, things that, that, that you, you need to be aware of, you need to hear. Uh, just a little bit more uh, I, I, I want to get to here in just a second, but let's recap uh, chapter one of Jonah. So Jonah, the word of the Lord uh, came to Jonah. Right? So we understood that. What happens? He's told by God, you need to go to Nineveh. He doesn't want to go to Nineveh. Why not? Listen, the people of Nineveh, the Assyrians, it would be like telling uh, Jews, uh, a Jew during the time of the Nazi Holocaust, hey, I want you to go and you're just going to go straight up to Hitler and tell him to repent. And if he repents, I'm not going to judge Nazi Germany. While all, while all of his friends and family are being put in and killed and put into the ovens. Awful. I mean, tr just trying to think of that, you know? And they're thinking, I hate these people. They're killing us. And the Assyrians, as mentioned last time, awful, awful, awful people. So Jonah, he doesn't want to go. So what's he do? He catches, he, he goes, he's in Joppa, catches a boat in Joppa. By the way, I'm going to be in Joppa. I'm going to show you some pictures from there and probably a video from there pretty soon. you got to see it, man. Just unbelievable, the history and the story of Jonah from Joppa. So Joppa gets in a boat. He goes to Tarshish. His thought is he's going to get away from the presence of the Lord. It's not going to work. You can't run from the Lord. He tries to. Uh, and all of a sudden, there's a storm. Remember that? The storm comes. So what happens? They realize, all the people on, on the boat, they realize, this storm, there's somebody on here that's got a problem. So Jonah says, well, I'm the problem, and here's the deal. Uh, the God of heaven who created all things, he is the God of everything. And uh, there are no other gods. 
And uh, well, what, what people group are you? Well, I'm a Hebrew, I'm a Jewish guy, and uh, it's my fault because I didn't obey God. And God wants me to go to the people in the Nevian going. And he says, well, how do we get rid of the storm? Ah, throw me overboard. So that's where we left off. Jonah was thrown overboard and uh, he, he, he uh, and the storm ceased, right? We left off there. So the word of the Lord came to Jonah. Think of this before we get to the rest of it. Again, I've got to show you something here in a minute that, that you, you, you need to see. Just give me one more minute. We're going to get there. Maybe two more minutes. We're going to get there. You got to see this. Okay. So the word of the Lord came to Jonah. How did the word of the Lord come to Jonah? Bible doesn't tell us. Uh, the word of the Lord comes to Moses. God speaks to Moses through a burning bush. Uh, with Elijah, it was a still small voice. Um, as it is with all of the prophets, the word of the Lord came to, uh, came to Jonah. We don't know exactly how it came, but it did come. And we know this from uh, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 21, just a couple of verses after the last verse I just showed you with prophecy shining a light in a dark place. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 21 says, Prophecy never came by the will of man, but through holy men of God as they spoke when, the holy, uh, when they were moved by the Holy Spirit. However, the word of the Lord came to Jonah. It was true. It was real. It happened exactly as God said it would. And uh, Jonah didn't want it to happen. He didn't want there to be repentance. Listen, right now you could be thinking, I don't want repentance here in this nation. I don't want repentance in America. I don't want repentance in Europe. I don't want repentance in Australia or Canada or anywhere else in the world. You know what I want? I just want to be raptured and this whole place being smitten. Listen, that's a problem because that's where Jonah was, right? Nevertheless, I've still got to show you a a couple more things here. Think of this with Jonah. Uh, Jonah was given a ministry he did not want to benefit people he did not like. Give that again. A ministry he did not want to benefit people that he did not like. All right. Let me put some more context in this to help us understand the predicament we are in this world. Uh, do, do we still pray for repentance or you say, get us out of here and smite everyone, Lord? Uh, you know, we kind of find ourselves in a Jonah position. Listen, I'm going to be honest with you. I think to myself, I just want to be out of here. I'm done. The, the wokeness, the madness, the evil, the wickedness, the, the, uh, the abortions that have happened in America, uh, the, just, I mean, just on and on and on and on it goes from uh, judges to professors to Hollywood to, uh, to Washington, D.C., to the World Economic Forum, to the U.N., it's evil after evil after evil. Just get me out of here and smite. It, that, that, that is a Jonah thought. And I admit, I, I, I tend to think that way, all right? I'm going to put a little bit more here uh, to help us understand the predicament of things, right? Bridge Gillette wrote this article uh, just recently. A global food pri- uh, crisis is coming. Listen to these words, folks. This is, this is uh, something we really need to be paying attention to. Listen to these words. In January and March, he said, I wrote about a coming global famine. Unfortunately, the world has remained on the same trajectory since that time. As we enter the last few months of 2022, the world will awaken to that reality, a global, a coming global famine. Now listen to this, because this is all going somewhere. Famine is unavoidable. At this point, 
It is unavoidable. The only questions remaining are how severe the food shortages will be and how high food prices will rise in the places where food is still available. Once the severity of the situation becomes clear, governments will react swiftly. Listen, if you, you know, people are watching from all over the world and will continue to all week long. There are people in South Africa that are watching tonight or will be watching by the end of this week. They watch every week, they join us. Uh, people from all over uh, parts of, of uh, the um, uh, Europe. Um, you, you have, we have people over the Mideast that are gonna watch this. Uh, in Turkey, I want you, the reason I bring South Africa and Turkey, in Turkey right now, or Lebanon, excuse me, two hours of electricity a day. Uh, South Africa is limited, I think, a total of something like eight hours a day. And then you start watching the food crisis. All these things are tied in together. And it's because of these woke policies and the green policies. But continues and says this. Once the severity of the situation of a global food crisis becomes clear, governments will react swiftly. Food protectionism, this is all going somewhere. Hang with this. Couple more minutes. Food protectionism will sweep the globe as nation after nation bans agricultural exports. Those supplies still available for export will be vacuumed up by the wealthiest nations who will be willing to pay whatever is necessary to guarantee their food supplies. So think of America, whatever it takes, right? They will leave low income per capita net importing nations on the outside looking at countries such as Somalia, Yemen, South Sudan, Afghanistan, Haiti, will experience severe food crisis and widespread famine and starvation. This is disturbing. Uh, in Germany, they're talking because of energy, as many as a million people could die in Germany uh, if the gas situation isn't resolved before this winter. Okay, let's continue with what Britt, Merrick wrote, uh, Britt Gillette wrote. What is the end goal? In the end, no country will escape the crisis as massive food inflation strikes lower income citizens in even the wealthiest nations. In the United States, flash mobs will move on from jewelry stores to grocery stores. Remember that we used to see them in the jewelry stores, Home Depot, take whatever they could, uh, take off with it, they're gonna move to grocery stores. Food theft will run rampant until grocery stores implement strict security measures. We might even see the rollout, get this, and this is where it starts to come together, of Sri Lanka style digital rationing cards. Is this the end goal? It wouldn't surprise me to find out these government policies are being intentionally implemented to create a food crisis. I'm convinced they're intentionally implemented. If they're starving, get this, here, listen to this. If they're starving, most people will gladly trade their freedom and liberty for food. Okay, this is where this is going. I believe that this is set up. Uh, trade your liberty and freedom for food, it's going. Government wants it. Remember, Klaus Schwab said by 2030, you'll own nothing and be happy. They're putting the squeeze on, baby. Okay, I'm going to connect it all right here, or he does. He, he says, uh, while digital rationing cards, speaking of Sri Lanka, digital rationing cards to buy food. He says, while digital rationing cards are not in and of themselves the mark of the beast, they impose a social system identical to the one imposed by the mark of the beast. How? by fencing people into a system where they are completely reliant on the government for their existence. In the past few years, we've witnessed the rise of the Mark of the Beast technology platform. The marriage of corporate and state power has brought a censorship on big tech 
platforms, banking institutions willing to shut the accounts of peaceful uh, protesters and vaccine mandates and passports. A global food crisis would be the perfect environment for the world's would-be rulers to implement a digital food rationing system. Since most people no longer live on farms and don't know how to grow or raise their own food, they're vulnerable to becoming slaves to a system they can't survive outside of. When that happens, the government will have complete and total power. The world is paving the way for the rise of Antichrist. Fortunately, our hope is in Jesus Christ, and our joy is that he is coming soon. Amen. Folks, we are being prepared for all of that, but our joy is that Jesus is coming soon. All right. You put this all into context. You see that, and you go, man, what happens? Get me out of here. Beam me up. Whatever. Right? However, Jonah was told, take this message that the people might repent. Folks, while we are still here, we don't want to be like Jonah. We need to recognize what is happening. We can see it. Jonah could see what was going to happen, what the problem was with them. Judgment's coming. I can't wait for it. I can see what's happening. You guys can see what's happening. Jesus is coming soon, right? But we need to have the truth of the gospel uh, flowing from our um, lips, okay? Let's move on. I just got a couple of things here Then I'm going to get to. I'm going to get to your questions. First one we notice is, is Jonah's dreadful prayer. Um, look at this. So he's thrown over, over the boat, right? We see that. Uh, the men feared the Lord. Chapter uh, 1, verse 17. Uh, now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah. Did you see that? Prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Then Jonah, he prayed to the Lord and his God from the fish's belly. And he said, I cried out to the Lord because of my affliction. And he answered me out of the belly of Sheol. What is Sheol? Good question. We're going to get there. I cried and you, Lord, heard my voice. Let's just stop here for just a minute. He goes into uh, the, the belly of this fish. Notice it's a fish, by the way, that has been prepared for him. Um, some people say, well, the fish was a whale. Uh, the Bible doesn't say the fish is a whale. In fact, over in Joppa in Israel, there's a big whale that's out there representing the story of Jonah and the fish. The Bible does not say it's a whale. We don't have any clue what kind of fish this is. It just says God prepared a fish. In the same way, people say, you know, you see an apple. And, or people say, well, what's, the, what's the tree, the forbidden fruit? Uh, the forbidden tree in the Garden of Eden. Well, it was an apple tree. Well, how do you know? Because somebody one day said it was an apple. The Bible doesn't say what kind of fruit it was. It was just, Eve just wasn't supposed to eat of the fruit of that tree that was in the midst of the garden. It doesn't say it was an apple tree. But people think it was an apple tree. People think it was a whale. It doesn't say it was a whale. God prepared a fish. Personally, I think that's what it says here. God prepared a fish, verse 17 of chapter 1, to swallow Jonah. I believe it was a specific fish. God designed it. He could have built it the day before, created it the day before, or maybe the day of, maybe 20 minutes before. All right, here comes Jonah. Let's throw him in the water. Whoosh, there he goes. Psh, God says, ah, I'm going to create a fish right now to swallow him. Could have been 30 seconds before. Could have been at the same time Jonah hit the water. We don't know. But God prepared a fish. The fish comes up, whoosh, swallows Jonah, and keeps him in a captivity. I believe it was a, a, it was a miracle. Um, 
and he goes into uh, shul. Hey, what is shul? Um, well, that's a good question. It's translated as grave, pit, or abode of the dead. Can you pull that up uh, up here on the screen so everybody can see it? Thanks. Uh, what is shul translated as grave, pit, or abode of the dead? It is the underworld of the Old Testament. No wonder why Jonah, he starts freaking out. Um, he's like, oh man, this is, this is a bummer. He says, I cried out to the Lord because of my affliction and he answered me out of the belly of Shul. I cried out and you heard me. I, I mean, how would you feel if you're in the belly of a fish for three days and three nights? I'd be, listen, I've been on some cruises before. I went on a prophecy cruise one time with some of our Call some of our, my friends and colleagues, you guys know, would recognize their names. I've done a Footsteps of Paul cruise where we cruised around the Mediterranean, the Aegean Sea. Oh, fantastic. This is a whole different experience. This Jonas cruise isn't exactly the kind of cruise that anybody wants to be on. Um, people say, did Jonah actually die? Listen, I don't know if he actually died or not. Um, but it seems that Jesus uh, seems to uh, allude to it because Jesus, this is what he did. He validated Jonah. Remember that? We saw this verse last week. I'm going to show you again. Validated Jonah, validated the fish, the book of Jonah. The story is being fact. The people of Nineveh and their repentance in one short conversation with the hypocritical religious leaders where he said, he answered and said to them, an evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, and no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Uh, the men of Nineveh will rise up in the judgment with this generation and condemn it because they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and indeed, a greater, Jonah, a greater than Jonah is here. So, uh, Jesus, in this, he validates Jonah, the fish, the book of Jonah, the fish story is being fact, the people of Nineveh, and their repentance in that one short conversation that he had there in Matthew chapter 12. Pretty cool. All right. I want to get to then to get to your questions. Uh, continuing, you know, Jonah's a short book, and chapter 2 is a short chapter. Verse 3 continues, for you cast me, this is Jonah crying out, you cast me, um, into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your billows and your waves passed over me. Uh, then I said, I have been cast out of your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The waters surrounded me, even to my soul. Uh, the deep closed around me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. There you go, picture a seaweed all wrapped around my head. It was a bummer being in the belly of this fish. I went down to the moorings of the mountains. The earth with its bars closed behind me forever. What is that? The earth with its bars closed behind me? What's that? You'll see that in a second. Yeah, you have brought me, uh, brought up my life from the pit. Remember Shul, remember that? Oh Lord, my God, when my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord and my prayer went up to you into your holy temple. Isn't that interesting? He's running from the Lord, but, but he goes, he says this, uh, when my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord. He, he turns to the Lord. He had completely pushed back against the Lord, but he remembers him. He remembers him now. Um, he, he knew in his heart, um, that God was real. And his only hope uh, was the Lord 
himself. I, I find this kind of a, um, uh, just a fascinating thing. Jo- Jonah, he ran from God and ran from his assignment, so God sent him a, a, a storm and to make sure that Jonah would repent. In other words, that he, listen, he's called to get the people of Nineveh to repent. God gets Jonah to repent. Change, it means, repent means to change direction, basically uh, make a U-turn. He went uh, from the storm into the belly of the fish. God said, okay, the storm hasn't gotten you. I'm going to have a fish that's going to swallow you, Jonah. Um, and as far as uh, the, the bars, he, goes, he says here, he's just quoting all these different things. He says, uh, I went down to the moorings of the mountains, the earth with its bars closed behind me forever. It's, most scholars think it's the teeth of the great fish. And he's looking at him like he's in jail, looking outside, going, oh man, this is a bummer. And uh, yeah, it's amazing that he didn't drown inside this fish, but this fish was created in such a way it was meant to uh, just keep Jonah. Uh, obviously also he knew, the, he knew the word because that's what he's doing here in these passages. He's quoting the word. In fact, in one place he's even... Uh, Psalm 18, I believe that he's quoting David, where David said, In my distress I called upon the Lord and cried out to my God, and he heard my voice from his temple. It seems to be that's what Jonah is thinking of uh, when he cries out to the Lord. He recognizes the Lord has heard him. All right, I'm going to wrap this up so I can get to some questions. So number one, Jonah's dreadful prayer. Number two, uh, Jonah's uh, desperate plea. Just two verses left, and we'll wrap it up. Uh, those who regard worthless idols forsake their own mercy, but I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay what I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. Notice he says, I will pay what I have vowed. You got to love that. So the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. I love that. Just it barfed, it barfed uh, Jonah up. But, but I like this. Jonah says, I will pay to you whatever, whatever, whatever it is. I'll pay what I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. Uh, it, it's like that desperate, whatever you want, Lord, I'm going to do it. I'll do whatever you want. I know I was going to tithe 10%, but I'll tithe 90%, Lord. And then, uh, you know, after you're out, you're like, ah, oh, never mind, Lord. I didn't really mean all that stuff. I remember seeing a movie years ago. Burt Reynolds was in it. For those of you who are old enough to remember Burt Reynolds and it was kind of like that. Okay, God, I'll give you this. I'll give you whatever you want. And, and he kept getting more and more. I mean, Burt Reynolds kept promising more and more. And then finally, uh, you, you see the images, God sending uh, trials to Burt because Burt says, well, I'm not going to give you 40. I'm only going to give you 30. And, I'm, and then he goes, oh, forget that. I'm only going to give you 20, whatever it was. I can't remember the whole movie. And then when he gets down there, all of a sudden he's going into another trial, starts being chased by something else. It's rather a humorous thing, but he gets vomited um, out of the belly of the uh, out of the belly of the fish. I I, I just love how that uh, how that works out. Okay, I want to show you just two things. Going to questions. Number one is this: to, to a couple of takeaways. Let's call these takeaways. All right. Many people are sleeping when they ought to be praying and watching. Um, folks, this is absolutely true. I want you to think of this in the light of where we are. Um, Today, First uh, Thessalonians chapter 5 states, Concerning the times and seasons, this is the Apostle Paul, think of this, many are sleeping when they ought to be watching and praying. Almost everyone is asleep, but Jesus is coming. Uh, Concerning the times and seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write you. 
For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord comes as a thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety, sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in the darkness so that this day should overtake you as a thief. You are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of night nor of the darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. What happened with Jonah? Go back to chapter one last week. What happened to Jonah? The storm is there. What's Jonah doing? He is sleeping when he should have been repenting. He was sleeping uh, when he should have been watching, should have been paying attention, should have been crying out to God. Listen, Many people are sleeping right now to the spiritual realities that are going on in this world when they ought to be praying and they ought to be watching. How many people do you know that have called themselves Christians and say, I don't want to pay any attention to what's going on? Listen, I read that article by Britt Gillette of The Coming Food Crisis and by John, uh, who wrote in from New York and just listed all these different things that is facing America and the Western world right now. But what is it? Almost everyone is asleep. Folks, Jesus is coming. We want to be ready. We, we, we need to be ready. And the chastisement from Paul, uh, from the Lord in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 is real straightforward. Don't be asleep. That's what others are doing. But you, me, let's watch and be sober. Let's pay attention uh, to what's, going, what's really going on so we can be ready. Here's the very last thing before the questions is this. Number two, we may know we can't flee from God's presence, but sometimes uh, we attempt to flee from God's purpose. That's what Jonah did. He, he attempted to flee from God's presence. You can't do that. He found that out. And in the attempt to do that, he attempted to flee from God's purpose. So we might know, okay, I can't get away from God. There's no way, but I'm not going to do what God wants me to do. Listen, let's not be like Jonah and recognize this world that we live in and understand Understand this if we... If we uh, uh, if we can, let me see, I need to pull up some questions here. Um, hey, I think I need your help uh, pulling up questions, y'all. I don't know how to do it. I gotta have them come out and help me pull up questions because it's all this technology stuff. So I get messed up sometimes, so sorry about that, folks. Okay, so what was I talking about? Oh yeah, we need to be faithful. So Jonah's problem was, he said, just curse them, bring fire down upon them, I want to get out of here. And I listen, I'm that way. I want to get out of here. But I'm thinking that maybe my heart's not right about this. All right. So you ready? Let's go to some questions. This question comes in from, got this from Instagram, by the way. Got several. Um, this is from Langzi. Uh, I think that's how I say this. Langji? Langji? Uh, will we see revival? Uh, will we see revival this if uh, the rapture? When everything is now shaking, I'm finding people. Um, okay, I, I don't know. We got the whole question here, but I think you're wondering if there's going to be a, rap, uh, a revival before rapture. I'm guessing that's what you're wondering. I don't know. The Bible certainly doesn't say that. I, I don't think the Bible even teaches that. The Bible seems to point to something else. Uh, Jesus himself says, in that day, will I even find faith? Right? So that's how he referred to it. We also know it's a time of a, a great departure from the truth of the word. First uh, Timothy chapter 4, we know that it's a time of uh, demons, uh, speak, uh, uh, of doctrine of demons that are being taught. 
So, and, and that's under this, and it seems to be taught within the church, lies and hypocrisy, the green, the green agenda. If you look at 1 Timothy chapter 4, just the first three verses, you go, hey, this is wokeism in the, in the green agenda. Uh, don't eat meat, don't eat foods that, are, that God tells us to eat. This is the green agenda. Wokeism forbidden to marry. So you look at 1 Timothy chapter 4, God calls it doctrine of demons, and it seems to be happening within the church is what I get from, uh, from 1 Timothy chapter 4. Uh, uh, let's see, 2 Timothy chapter 3, uh, in the last days perilous times will come and all these characters, characteristics are listed. And then you get down to it and what do you have? People have a form of godliness but deny the power thereof in the last days. So uh, then uh, some, I have friends that argue about this in uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3. Is that speaking of the rapture where it says there will be a great falling away or is that speaking of the apostasy of uh, people leaving the, the faith, departure? Um, I, I go back and forth on that. But if it is indeed speaking of a departure, then what the Bible, the Bible is very clear that in the last days just before uh, the the, the rapture, it appears to me, there's going to be this great turning from the Lord. Um, I don't see a, I do see a revival happening during the tribulation period, though. That definitely happens because Jews and Gentiles are saved from all over the world. What will happen to infants in the rapture? I believe they're going to go up into the presence of the Lord. Amen. Uh, Sarah, that was from Leaf Fowler, Fowler, Lee Fowler, excuse me. This is from Sarah Coleman. Too many friends I know are caught up in replacement theology, help to refute it. Listen, I've taught on Israel many, many times. This, um, in fact, is going to be tonight, uh, 6 or 6.30. I'm going to be speaking at Don Perkins Church, um, and I'm going to be teaching on Israel, which ref the, my entire message refutes replacement theology. But if you guys want it, send me notes. I'll actually do uh, a very similar message here, refuting replacement theology if you guys uh, want that, I'll, I'll, do, I'll do one for you. Maybe, maybe we can do it next week or something like that. Um, okay, best scripture to share with someone that believes in replacement theology, I would say, okay, it, uh, how about Romans chapter 11, uh, verse 24 and 25. In fact, let me read it to you, right? This is, this is great. Man, how much time do I got? Well, we're just going to go through this. I got a bunch of questions. Romans chapter 11, verse 25 says... Um, I do not desire, brethren, this is Paul the Apostle writing, that many who believe in replacement theology hold up as being, you know, you know kind of like, almost like Jesus. Uh, for, for I do not desire, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery. Don't be ignorant of this mystery. What's the mystery? Lest you should be wise in your own opinion, right? If you don't understand this, this is what Paul's dealing with. If you don't understand this about Israel, you're going to be puffed up. You're going to think you know more than everybody else. Romans chapter 11, verse 25. I do not desire, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own opinion. Right? You think you're brilliant. That blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come. And so, uh, and so all Israel will be saved. As it is written, the deliverer will come out of Zion. He will turn uh, uh, indignation away from uh, ungodliness away from Jacob. So don't be ignorant of this. Blindness in part has happened to Israel until that day. And then God's turning his attention to, to the Jews again and Israel again. Jesus himself said in Matthew chapter 23, you will not see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. 
Matthew 23, you won't see me again. Blindness in part has happened to Israel. Don't be ignorant of it. And that's what happens with replacement theology, refusing to look at certain passages. Romans chapter 11, verse 1, the Apostle Paul says, I say then, has God cast away his people? That's replacement theology. Certainly not. For I also am uh, an Israelite of the seed of Abraham of the tribe of Benjamin. God has not cast away his people whom he foreknew. So, um, yeah, there's a lot out there, but I, sh I should do a message on that. Is New York City Mystery Babylon? No. Mystery Babylon, Revelation chapter 17, is... Uh, it's a spiritual dynamic that has affected the whole world. I've done a message on Revelation chapter 17 and chapter 18. I believe there are two separate Babylons there. Um, uh, one spiritual, one is very literal, physical. Um, okay, do you see, this is, that was from Shelley Yern. This is from uh, Liz Kajin. I'm not sure I can, I'm saying that right. Uh, hi, uh, do you see Ezekiel 38 happening soon? I, I don't, I see, I think there's a little bit more time. Uh, there's a couple of passages in Ezekiel 38 that talk about Israel's safety, and one of them also brings up peace specifically. Uh, safety can refer to security, like from the IDF or something like that. Talked with Pablo about this on his program, Serpents and Doves, just the other day. We looked at it in more detail, uh, but uh, one of the words that's used there when they're talking about peace and security, I believe it's the words used in peace in the New King James, it means tranquility. The battle is going to come in a time when Israel's in a place of tranquility. They are not there. It also appears to be a surprise attack from Russia and the other nations. Right now, if Israel's attacked, there ain't no surprise about it. Everybody's on edge. Uh, next question, Michaela, Michaela Dilly, uh, do you think the church will be raptured out before the third temple gets built? I have no idea if we're going to see the third temple built. We might. Uh, the, 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 we, what we do know is the temple is going to be fully operational at the midpoint of the tribulation. That's what we know. It could be built next year, and then it runs for 20 years in the tribulation. The tribulation doesn't begin until the confirmation of the covenant of Daniel chapter 9. So the rapture happens before that, but all we know is a temple will be built in the last days that Antichrist will, will sit in and demand to be worshipped as God according to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Uh, will we, I don't think we'll see the third temple built, and I don't think it'll be built till after the rapture, but I could totally be wrong on it. It could be built and, um, and uh, before the rapture. It just has to be completed at the midpoint of the tribulation period. Um, and because uh, it's at that point when Antichrist sits in the temple. Uh, but it could be built before then, it's, it, 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 but I, I don't know. It's kind of like asking me when, the, when does Ezekiel 38 battle begin? I, I don't know the timing of it. Could happen before, could happen after. I tend to think it's gonna be after the rapture. I tend to think the temple being built will be after the rapture also. Uh, Ken Dog, do you think Donald Trump is a Christian and do you think he will bring upon end time prophecy? Uh, I have no idea if he is a Christian. I really, really don't. Um, and he, he is part of end time prophecy. Um, and it is Liz asks, can you talk about the millennium kingdom and who is there? That is a loaded, that's really big um, Who's in the millennial kingdom? I can make this as short as possible because it really is uh, at least one message, if not a series of messages. The millennial kingdom is a thousand year period, Revelation chapter 20, when the animal kingdom gets along, 
Uh, the whole area of the Mideast, especially Israel, is like the Garden of Eden. These are according to prophecies in Isaiah and elsewhere. Um, and uh, Jesus is ruling and reigning from Jerusalem. We who are believers right now will have our glorified bodies. We'll be ruling and reigning with him as kings and priests. Um, wherever it is that he has us rule over the whole globe, there will be people that will be living during the millennial kingdom, believers who got saved during the tribulation, who Antichrist didn't kill, they're gonna go into the millennial kingdom with their bodies like they have right now. Um, they're not gonna be their glorified bodies yet and they're going to be procreating. They're going to, if you're married now and you get saved in the tribulation period, both husband and wife, you're going to go into the millennial kingdom, husband and wife, and you're going to have babies. You're going to have a lot of babies. People are going to live a long time during the millennial kingdom. And, um, and, uh, and it's, it's a time of peace. Uh, the uh, swords will be pounded into uh, plowshares instead of uh, people killed. There's, there's not going to be war. Jesus, we're not going to have to deal with politicians because Jesus is the King of Kings and he's going to be ruling and reigning from Jerusalem. But I've done messages on this. My friend Don Perkins has done a lot on it too. Um, uh, let me move on. My son claims Jesus is God. This is from, it's the, it's the brat. Oh. My son claims Jesus is God and knows the second coming and uh, the rapture. Uh, is this true? Yes, Jesus is God the Son. Uh, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. The Trinity, Jesus is God the Son. He's the Messiah. Uh, Jesus is coming again, and there is a rapture. Uh, the Bible's very clear. The rapture's gonna happen first. Um, and uh, so, yeah, so there you go on that. Um, Jane Kirby says, with all the convergence, is it still possible the rapture could be decades away? It is possible. I don't think it is. But all things are possible, right? I don't think so. I'm hoping it's tomorrow, but I don't know. I don't, I, I don't know when it's going to happen. I, I'm in, uh, making sure that I tell people about Jesus. I, wanna, I don't want to do what Jonah did. I don't want to get swallowed by a fish. don't want to go through a big trial. I want to tell people about the, uh, that they need the Lord because rapture could happen at any moment, but it might not happen for a while. So we got to be prepared. But things are converging. Listen, um, uh, Jane, the, I'm glad you asked this question because the ultimate fulfillment of the convergence of all things is during the tribulation period, after the rapture. Okay, uh, Jerry, and also, by the way, I do want to say this. The way Bible prophecy reads is that the closer you get, the faster and faster things are going to go. So I don't see it being decades away because things are happening faster and faster and faster. The converge more and more of the fulfillment of the obvious fulfillment of the convergence is coming. So in three weeks from now, faster than now. I mean, it's happening that fast. So it will happen faster and faster. So I don't see it being decades away. Jerry Monreal, have you heard of the beer sheet first word of Bible end of days prophecy? Yes, I have. Um, uh, uh, Char, Charmine, Moon Isle, uh, do you have to be baptized or to partake of Holy Communion? Um, you know what, so I was raised Catholic, the uh, uh, Catholics would, they have that. Um, you know, I, I'm not Catholic now. I got saved in 1988. Uh, no, I, I believe that you should get baptized. Baptism is an evidence of your salvation. And you should partake of communion. Those are two things you should do. Uh, I recommend that you do both of them, but I do not believe you're saved by either of them. 
they both recognize Christ's work in your life. Both of those sacraments do. Baptism and communion, they, rep, they, 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 they are a reminder of what Christ has done for us. Um, so if you're saved, they're a reminder of what he's done. We're saved by Jesus, not by a work that we do. Do you think, this is uh, Fee Lori, uh, do you think we will all know who the man of sin is before we are raptured? Uh, I don't think so. So I have friends I argue with about, they think otherwise, but I don't, listen, I don't mind people having other opinions than mine. Uh, Kimberly Jaro, do you think Babylon will fall before the tribulation? No, I don't, because in, it's in Revelation chapter 18 where we see the destruction of Babylon. I believe that's at the end of the tribulation period. I do have some very close friends that argue with me about that. They say, no, it's gonna be in the beginning of the tribulation. Uh, Brand McGear, Brandy, Brandy McGear. It appears not everything on earth, oh, oh, here's two parts. Uh, further explanation of Matthew chapter 24, uh, verse 37 through 39. I think of end times as pure terror, but this uh, makes me, hold on just a minute here. Um, this makes me, uh, oh, uh, this makes it appear not everything will be terror on earth. So let me read that again because I got a little bit distracted. Um, further explanation of Matthew chapter 24, verses 37 through 39. Let me turn over there. I think of end times as pure terror, but this makes it appear not everything will be terror on earth. So Matthew chapter 24, read it in context so we can understand uh, verse 37 through 39. But this is Jesus speaking. I'll start in verse uh, 36. Um, I think I got the right, let me make sure I'm starting in the right, yeah, I'll start in verse 36. But of that day uh, and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so also will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in the days of Noah before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day of Noah, until the day that Noah entered the ark and did not know until the flood came and took them away. So also will be the coming of the Son of Man. Be, listen, that is a great question. Uh, it's that question that led me to look a little bit further into some of the thoughts on the days of Noah. So I get this all the time. I, I understand my friends who say, uh, the days of Noah are characterized by violence, by all sorts of immorality, um, wickedness of all sorts. I get that. And they say that's the day, Jesus says, as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be days of the coming of the Son of Man. Well, where Jesus says, as it will be in the days of Noah, goes along with, with your thinking, um, uh, Brandy. Because listen again, as it was in the days of Noah before the flood, they were eating and drinking, right? Marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. So the, the, the description that Jesus gives, and I believe it's in Luke's gospel, where he gives the description they were building and planting and sowing. So the, the, the thought process, I mean, the, the context of the illustration Jesus gives is everything's going pretty good. Not like it is right now. People are eating and drinking and giving in marriage, but it's, it's, it's not a joyful time. The thought of, of Jesus' description in all of the discourses, people are going to be thinking things are pretty good. And also, if we can, and this will really help, if we understand the Olivet Discourse is really about the judgment during the tribulation period, it starts to come together. So this is what I think is going to happen. Things are going to get worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. Totally worse and worse and worse. Really bad, really ugly. Okay, Satan 
has to get everybody to want his man antichrist so antichrist is going to have to come on the scene and have answers to all of the world's problems the wars all the balagons that are taking place the messes that are going on uh, jesus said it'll be so deceiving that if possible even the elect will be deceived so satan has to get his man to be liked by everybody well how do you do that make things so bad through klaus schwab george soros Henry Kissinger, Yuval Noah Harari, make them so bad through these guys that when your man comes up, uh, he's going to look, look at these guys made a mess of everything. Satan cares that his man, Antichrist, is worshipped. Satan cares that his man, Antichrist, deceives people on the right and on the left. What a perfect environment. Total destruction from all of the woke policies and all of the madness. In comes Antichrist. He has all the answers. Here he is, full of Satan. It's like good cop, bad cop. Satan knows that Satan is far more brilliant than any man. Satan is setting up this world right now to say we want a savior to save us from the insanity. People on the left, people on the right. They're both looking for a savior, and Antichrist is going to come along with exceptional charisma, deception, lying wonders, and have answers to the world's problems. I believe it's when Antichrist comes on the scene, the people, it'll, it'll, they're going to go, wow, we finally got it. The people are going to be crying out peace and safety, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. They're, they're going to be thinking, this is great, as it was in the days of Noah. People are eating and drinking and giving in marriage, building and planting and sowing. I believe that peaceful time, when they say peace and safety and things are are trucking along. We've been raptured. The world's a disaster. Antichrist comes along. I have solutions. Everything starts, he starts to get everybody on the same page. Everything's going good. He confirms the covenant and then boom, judgment comes. So Jesus, uh, or Paul wrote in First uh, Thessalonians chapter 5, uh, when they say peace and safety, sudden destruction will come upon them and they shall not escape. Who are those that are left behind? I think that that whole thing with Noah, the whole process coming after Antichrist comes on the scene, he's bringing a time of peace and safety. Ah, people want to argue with me about it, that's okay, but it, it, that's what I think. I always think I'm right. Um, who, uh, this is from someone who calls himself Christ 22, who are going to be left behind, those who don't know Christ. Uh, April Dawn, is Gog, Magog war during the tribulation or at Jesus' second coming? Um, I believe it is uh, after, right after the rapture of the church, um, not at a second coming. Um, second coming, everybody, is not the same as the rapture. Rapture, we go up. Second coming, Jesus comes down. And that happens at Armageddon at the end of the seven-year tribulation period. Uh, faith, how many raptures do you believe will take place? Some say two or three. Um, I believe there's one. Um, <laughs> For another, that's another subject. Phoebe, uh, will the Holy Spirit remain when the church is raptured, or will the uh, will Earth revert to pre-Pentecost? Well, it's the Holy Spirit's. I mean, God's everywhere, right? So, the Holy Spirit's still going to be ministering to people because tons of uh, more people are going to be saved during the tribulation than uh, any other time in the history of the world. So, people think you know, there's a lot of teachers who say the Holy Spirit's going to be taken out of the church. No. 
the restrainer is going to be removed in the sense of the Holy Spirit working through believers. So the rapture takes place. Holy Spirit's still going to be saving souls and doing remarkable work, uh, witnessing through the two witnesses, 144,000 Jews. Uh, people are going to be saved from every tribe, nation, tongue, and people group during that time. Uh, next question, bundle with bark. I'm excited to share a meal with you in heaven and eat uh, of the steak trees. Woo, woo. That would be ribeyes. Maybe some filet mignon. Yeah, he's seen my messages on heaven. Um, how much time we got? Oh, I got, I'm done? Okay. Uh, uh, what country, I'm almost done. What country is Antichrist coming from? I have a lot more questions. What country is Antichrist coming from? Um, I believe, I, I don't know the exact country, but in, in this is what I think. Daniel chapter 9, right? Um, says he's going to be from the people who destroyed the city. So uh, that'd be the Roman Empire. I believe it gives us his, the idea of his ethnicity is right there in Romans chapter 9. Because you have these different characteristics that are listed of Antichrist. Uh, for example, the Assyrian um, and so forth. He's not going to worship the God of his fathers. You know, that sort of thing from Daniel chapter 11. But Daniel chapter 9 tells us of, he's of the people who destroyed the city. That's his ethnicity. Uh, this guy named James Cadiz, ever heard of him? He said, is the earth flat? <laughs> Real funny, James Cadiz. Somebody else on here, Jay Ernest said, do you have OCD? Um, <laughs> no, I absolutely do not have OCD. Uh, not a chance. Maybe ADD, but not, but not OCD. Listen, a lot more questions. Thank you for, for your questions. God bless you guys. Okay, Don Perkins this week, uh, the, uh, tonight, in San Diego, I think 6, 6.30, something like that. You can go on HopeForTimes.com and check it out if you're going to be in San Diego. Tomorrow night, uh, Sunday night, tomorrow night, uh, Monday night, right? And Tuesday night. Those three nights, I think starting at like 6 o'clock or something like that. Check it out, HopeForTimes.com. I think you have to register to go. And I uh, look forward, if you're there, look forward to meeting you. See ya. Oh, Pete Garcia is going to be with me on Tuesday, live cast. 2 o'clock Pacific Standard Time. Shalom. Thanks for listening and being a part of this week's podcast. Before you go, I'd like to invite you to visit our website, hopeforourtimes.com, and check out the many resources we have to offer. On our website, we have books, DVDs, and daily news articles that will always keep you up to date on the times we're living in. If you'd like to see the video version of this week's podcast, you can find us at Hope For Our Times on YouTube. God bless, and we'll talk to you next time.